Okay, we'll begin by going to Galatians chapter 1, 13 through 17. I actually recorded this, or tried to record this sermon, um, our last Sabbath meeting, and didn't work out. So I'm doing this in my office. Um, this is part 9, I believe it is. Yeah, Galatians part 9 in our study through Galatians. So probably this sermon and then one more and we'll make it through chapter 1. So let's read Galatians 1, 13 through 17 as an opening text, New American Standard Bible. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God, or the congregation of Yahweh, beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when he who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts in this lesson. In our last lesson, we ended by beginning to look at verse 15, and it is a beautiful verse. It's a verse where I see Paul laying his emotion out on the table for us. Because Paul wasn't looking for the Son, the Messiah, when he got a visit from the Son. Saul of Tarsus, as he was formerly or also previously known as, Saul was persecuting the true congregation of the Almighty, and it was beyond measure. He was trying to destroy it. And he did this believing he was doing Yahweh a favor or a service. During Yeshua's earthly ministry, he prophesied to his hand-picked disciples that such a time would come. We read in John 16, 2-3, where Yeshua says to his disciples, They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to the Almighty. They will do these things because they have not known the Father or me. Now, in that prophecy by Yeshua, Saul was not yet a disciple. Here in Galatians 1, we see that Saul was fulfilling the bad role in the prophecy. He was one of the men who was murdering the disciples of Yeshua, believing he was doing a favor to the Lord. He believed that the Heavenly Father was pleased with him, seeking to destroy the followers of Yeshua. So it wasn't like... He was going around like a thief or an armed robber, and the armed robber commits a murder, and he knows that murder is against the law because he's robbed the local bank and shot the teller and killed the teller, murdered the teller. This wasn't Saul. Saul was imprisoning and putting to death people that believed in Yeshua of Nazareth as to be the Messiah. And he thought he was doing right. I mean, he thought he was like Phineas back in the book of, uh, I believe it's the book of Numbers, when he threw the javelin uh, between the, the fornicators. <laughs> this is what Saul considered himself to be, a Phineas. And if you would ask Saul, do you believe in the mighty one of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? His answer would be something like, well, sure, I believe in him. I serve him. I'm zealous for him. I'm serving him by getting rid of this group of people that proclaim Yeshua of Nazareth to be the anointed one. But the question is, did Saul really believe in the mighty one of Abraham? Well, not according to Yeshua in John 
Once again, Yeshua said they will do these things because they have not known the Father or me. So according to Yeshua, to reject him is to reject the Father. I want you to think about this. If you have a father who has a son and who loves that son and who gives that son authority and then sends that son to you, if you reject that son, you are rejecting the father who sent him. Because the authority came from the father to the son and the son was sent by the father, to reject one is to reject the other. I have three sons. I love all three of my sons, and if anyone does something to harm any of my sons, they're doing it unto me. And any good father feels that way about his children. And this is how the Father, the Heavenly Father, feels towards his only begotten Son, Yeshua. And according to Yeshua himself, you cannot receive the Father while at the same time abandoning the Son. In John 8:42, Yeshua told some men, If the Almighty were your father, you would love me, because I came from the Almighty, and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. And also in John 15:23, Yeshua said, The one who hates me also hates my father. So what we see here is that Saul was actually deceived. And deceived or deception is thinking that you're doing right and in reality you're doing wrong, but you don't realize it. You, you believe that you're doing something that is just and good. Saul was deceived prior to his Damascus Road experience. He professed to believe in the Mighty One of Abraham, but at that point he had rejected the Son that came from the Father, so he really didn't even believe in the Father. Now, he would have told you he believed in the Father, but according to the very words of Yeshua... He did not believe in the Father. Why? Because he rejected the one the Father sent. And so Paul writes in Galatians 1, 15 through 16a, But when he, speaking of Yahweh the Father, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me. The he in verse 15 is Yahweh the Father because verse 16 says that this he revealed his Son to Paul. So Paul did not have the revelation of the Son prior to the road to Damascus. He claimed to believe in the Mighty One of Abraham. He would have told you he followed the Almighty. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, zealous for the Torah. But he did not believe that Yeshua was the Son of Yahweh. He was actually one of those men that Yeshua prophesied about, saying they would murder his hand-picked disciples thinking that he was doing the Almighty a service. But, and aren't you thankful for the but here, but when he, but Yahweh chose to reveal his son in Saul. And we see this revelation come forth in not just Galatians, but also in Luke's account of Saul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, where he goes to visit Ananias. And if you read Acts chapter 9, Ananias lays hands upon Saul, and told Saul that the master had sent him, Yeshua the master had sent Ananias, so that Saul may regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 9, verse 17. Now, that sounds to me like Saul did not have the Holy Spirit prior to the Damascus road. If he has to be filled with the Holy Spirit during his visit with Ananias, that means he is not filled with the Holy Spirit prior to his visit. 
And if you notice the difference between regain and field in Acts 9.17, regain is referring to the physical sight that Saul had lost when he was knocked down on the road to Damascus. So we're going to regain sight, Saul. That's going to happen to you again. You used to be able to see you've been blind for three days. You're going to regain the sight, but you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not refilled, not filled more, but filled. There's no additional or there's no getting something that you once had before. So he did not possess the Holy Spirit. He had to be filled with the Holy Spirit at that particular time. And it makes sense to me that he was not filled with the Holy Spirit prior to his visit because if Saul's hatred of the son meant that he actually hated the father but he didn't realize it, then there is no way that he could have been filled with the Holy Spirit of Yahweh and at the same time hated Yahweh. Saul was doing everything he was doing without the Holy Spirit. And this lets me know you can be a very religious person. You can dot all the I's, cross the T's, jump through the hoops, you know, circumcised, Torah observant, tradition observant, all of that, and yet still not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, look with me a little further down in Acts 9. I believe we're going to read here verses 18 through 19. Yeah, let's look at Acts 9, 18 through 19. Here's what happened after Ananias told Saul that. In that passage, it says, And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he arose and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Once again, Saul had been blinded when he was knocked down by Yeshua, and he was three days without sight, food, or water. But after he could see, and he ate something and he drank something, he regained his strength. Acts 9, verse 20 says this, And immediately... He began to proclaim Yeshua in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of the Almighty, or He is the Son of Yahweh. So what revelation revelation did Saul receive on the road to Damascus? Well, it was that Yeshua was the Son of Yahweh. What did Saul begin to preach after he was filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it was that Yeshua was the Son of Yahweh. That's the difference in the former Saul and the after Saul. And this is why he writes in Galatians 1.16 that at the Father's proper time, he revealed his Son in him. See, Paul was set apart and called by grace even from his mother's womb. But the timing of the revelation of the Son was in the Father's plan. And that's why we must always remember, as I said in the previous message or messages, just because a person does not believe in the Messiah now, and just because it doesn't look like they would ever believe in the Messiah by the way they are doing or acting now, it doesn't mean they won't believe in the Messiah later. It's all in the proper divine timing. As I'm putting together these sermons, and I'm writing all of these notes, I'm thinking in my mind, and it's very convicting, because I'm thinking in my mind about people that I've met over the years, that in talking to them, I've not witness to them. I've not shared the gospel with some people because I thought they were too far gone and would not receive, would not comprehend, would not understand, and there's just no way they could ever believe. And what I'm doing there is I'm, I'm placing a limit on Father Yahweh because I should just preach the gospel kind of like Paul did in Acts 13 when almost the whole city came out to hear the message. And he preached, and then as many as had been ordained to eternal life, they believed. So I should just preach the gospel, not 
worry about whether I think somebody can receive it or not because ultimately I'm just a planter and a waterer and it's up to Yahweh the Father to give the increase in a person's heart and mind concerning the good news of our Master and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. So we should never think somebody's too far gone. We should never think that. If anybody looked like that, then it would have been Saul of Tarsus. He looked like he wouldn't be able to receive the gospel. He's the very one that got slapped upside the forehead with it on the road to Damascus. And so what was the revelation given to Saul on that road? Well, it was that Yeshua of Nazareth, the one that Saul had been persecuting, was actually the son of Almighty Yahweh. Hallelujah for that revelation. It's very exciting. So, I want to talk about the end of verse 16 in this lesson as well before we move on. I'll get to verse 17 and I think through the end of the chapter in the next lesson. But there was a purpose. According to verse 16, there was a purpose of Yahweh revealing his son in Saul. Verse 16 again says, To reveal his son in me, comma, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now this goes back to what I taught on in the introductory sermons to Galatians. And if you haven't listened to those, I think it was part 2 and part 3 in this series. Paul was revealed the Son in order to preach him among the Gentiles or the nations. I want you to remember, the book of Galatians was not written to circumcised Judahites who believed in Yeshua, but rather to Yah-fearers, God-fearers, similar to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, who were uncircumcised, yet who loved the Mighty One of Israel and desired to serve Him in whatever ways they could. They were not considered to be full members of the covenant, but yet they loved the Mighty One of the Israelites. That's who Galatians was written to, people called the nations or the Gentiles. They were allowed inside the synagogue, but they were looked down upon as like a second-class citizen. Well, Paul's gospel to the Gentiles was that they could have a right standing with Yahweh the Father, and they can be considered as full members of the new covenant by faith in Yeshua, apart from becoming a proselyte to Judaism through circumcision. They did not need to become a proselyte to Judah, to Israel, through circumcision. That was not required to have salvation. That was not required for justification. That was not required to become a member of the new covenant. See, Yahweh had been not only showing this to, to Paul or to Saul as he knocked him down, but he had also been showing this to Peter. The way that he showed it to Peter, who was at this time separate from Saul, was by causing the miraculous gift of languages to fall upon uncircumcised Cornelius in the presence of the apostle Peter. See, the uncircumcised Yahfirer, Cornelius, received the same gift of the Holy Spirit that the apostles received back in Acts chapter 2. Now, Cornelius received it before he was baptized and also before anyone laid their hands upon him. Cornelius got it directly from heaven. So, when the apostle Peter saw that, as he was shown a vision and as he was preaching to Cornelius and his household, the gospel message in Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius all of a sudden begins to speak in unknown languages, languages that Cornelius never learned, just like the apostles did in Acts chapter 2. How in the world could Peter argue with that? 
This was Paul's gospel. Yahweh was showing it to Peter, and he was showing it to, to Saul. This was Paul's gospel that he received. It was not from man. He didn't receive it by hearing somebody teach about it at a local church. He didn't hear about it by talking to the apostle Peter. He got it directly from Yeshua of Nazareth in heaven. Paul was shown that the Gentiles, the nations, those considered not part of Israel, those considered excluded from citizenship in Israel, he was showing that they were full New Covenant members. This is what Yahweh, through Yeshua, was showing Saul. The Gentiles were full New Covenant members solely by faith in Messiah. They did not have to convert to Judah through ritual circumcision in order to be members of the New Covenant or in order to receive the forgiveness of sins. That's what Paul preached after his revelation of the Son. He preached the Son to the Gentiles. And it caused quite a stir among some of the Judahites that believed in the Messiah because some of these Judahites who professed Yeshua were actually going behind Paul's missionary efforts. Paul would go preach in Galatia, he would leave, and then some of these Judahite brothers who claimed to believe in Yeshua would come behind Paul and contradict his message that he taught. And he would attempt to distort the gospel of the Messiah. And these Judahite brothers were teaching that the gospel, it included the Messiah. But you, you as a Gentile, as somebody that's considered part of the nations, outside the land of Israel, you weren't really a full New Covenant member You were not really forgiven of your sins until you went full throttle and proselytized to Judah through ritual circumcision. That was what these Judahite brothers were were teaching. And what that does, though, is it places the emphasis then upon circumcision instead of upon Yeshua. So when they would speak to the Gentiles about salvation, the conversation would not be focused upon Yeshua it will be focused upon, have you been circumcised? You need to get circumcised so that you can be a member of the covenant. You need to become one of us. In other words, it was Messiah plus circumcision, proselyte circumcision, and that equals salvation. And Paul stood firmly against that distortion. He did not budge, not even for one minute. And Paul taught that it was the Messiah plus nothing that equaled salvation. So Galatians 1.16 teaches us that Yahweh revealed his son in Paul, so that Paul would preach the Son among the Gentiles. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul never preached to circumcised Judah, or the Judahites who had been raised in Hebrew culture and taught the Torah and the whole nine yards. Paul always, always offered the good news of Yeshua to the circumcised Judahites first. He even says, I'll give you one verse. He says in Acts thirteen forty six, as he is preaching to everybody that's there, That is, everybody in Judah, notice he says in verse 46, it was necessary that the word of the Almighty should be spoken to you first. Why to them first? Well, because they're considered already in, we'll say, an old covenant relationship with Yahweh the Father. And so the gospel is going forth to circumcised Judah first. Then Paul says, But since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. We're turning to the nations. And then he quotes from Isaiah, I believe it's 47. You can go back to the intro sermons for that. 
the key difference here is that the Judahites had been raised in the Torah. They'd been raised in the law. So they were all culturally Hebrews. And the males had been circumcised at, as little babies, little eight-day-old boys. But it was not so with the Gentiles or the nations outside of the land of Israel. They had not been raised in Torah. And thus they had not been circumcised as babies. And they were not taught the precepts of the Almighty. And when Paul came along to, to preach the gospel, he taught both both Judahites and the nations. He taught them all the same thing. You must believe in Yeshua, the one whom Yahweh has sent, to save you from all your sins and declare you justified. Paul didn't teach Yeshua to the Judahites and then turn around to the Gentiles and teach, believe in Yeshua plus proselytize to Judah through circumcision and you'll be saved, Gentiles. No, he taught faith in Yeshua to all of them, period. And let me point one more thing out here before I close. I don't think a lot of people realize this when they're studying through the book of Galatians because they're so, they have such an anti-law or an anti-Old Testament mentality and paradigm. And sometimes it's hard to shake that, hard to get rid of that. But I want to point out that Paul did not teach any of them, Judahites or Gentiles, to stop practicing obedience to the commandments. That wasn't Paul's message. That's Because that's not what the book of Galatians is about. The book of Galatians is not about quit practice and obedience to the commandments. He did not tell the Judahites, stop circumcising your children, stop keeping the Sabbath, stop eating kosher, stop wearing your tassels, stop all of that because it's not necessary. That was not Paul's message at all. And when it came to the Yah-fearing Gentiles like Cornelius, Paul's message was not stop giving alms to the poor, Cornelius. That's legalistic. You shouldn't do that. Stop spending so much time in prayer. Don't you know you don't really need to do that? That's just kind of ritualistic. No, that wasn't Paul's message to, to Cornelius or, or to any of the Gentiles. It wasn't Peter's message to Cornelius. Paul's message was not to the Gentiles. Stop coming to the synagogue on the Sabbath. You know how you've been coming to the synagogue on the Sabbath day? You don't need to do that. You shouldn't do that. That's Judaizing. Don't do that anymore. No, that wasn't Paul's message. Paul was simply preaching the good news that both the Judahites, that is the circumcised, and the Gentiles, that is the uncircumcised, could be justified, that is declared right with Yahweh, from all of their sins solely by faith in the Messiah. When I say solely, I mean by faith in the Messiah alone. And I preach that same gospel message to you today. Specifically, if we're dealing with the male gender, if you are a male today and you are circumcised, your circumcision doesn't justify you. Now, odds are you weren't circumcised on the eighth day. I know I wasn't. I'm circumcised as a male, but my parents were not Torah observant. They didn't do it on the eighth day. And the commandment says it's to be done on the eighth day if you read Genesis 17 and also Leviticus 12. So, number one, mine actually isn't even in line with the Torah. But regardless, if you're circumcised as a male, your circumcision has zero, nothing, nada to do with your justification. Also, your Sabbath keeping has nothing to do with your justification. Honoring your parents doesn't justify you. You say, Brother Matthew, do you believe we should honor our parents? Definitely. But that is not what justifies you. 
Your not taking Yahweh's name in vain does not justify you. Now, those are all good commandments. Those are all things that we ought to do. Those are all righteous acts. Those are all fruits that grow off of a good tree. But those things do not justify anyone. Those things do not declare you innocent before Yahweh. And here's why. Because you have not done all of those things in your past. And the law requires not only obedience, but it requires perpetual obedience in the life of an individual. Perpetual meaning from birth to death. And if you haven't obeyed every one of the commandments from birth to death, if you have not always obeyed them, then therefore you have broken the holy law of Yahweh. And you cannot be declared innocent or justified by the law. And whether or not you admit this, and I have found some people in the Torah-keeping community that don't like to talk about this and don't like to admit this, but it's true whether or not they want to admit it. You do not do all of those things perfectly in your present. Any commandments that you keep, and my wife and I, you know, we, we're commandment keepers. If you follow us around, we, we keep the commandments, okay? Now, when I say we keep the commandments, I don't mean that we keep the commandments perfectly and that we're not sinners, that we don't sin. But, I mean, we believe that we'll take the Ten Commandments just as an overview. We believe that the Ten Commandments are all not suggestions, but they're laws. And, and it's what we ought to do. It's how we ought to live. And so we pattern our life by those commandments. But we do not do them perfectly. We mess up in those things. Because first and foremost, they're there to point us to the need for our Savior. And so we realize that although our household is a commandment-keeping household, we realize that we will not have perfection. We will not reach perfection in the law until our glorification, until the even the desire to sin is taken away from us. And I can't wait for that day. So what justifies you, what declares you innocent, and what gives you right standing in, in the eyes of Father Yahweh what makes you a member of the new covenant is faith in Yeshua, the son of Yahweh, period. Boom. If you believe that Yeshua of Nazareth is Yahweh's son, sent by Yahweh to live a perfect life according to the law, die a substitute sacrificial death for sinners, and be raised on the third day, if you believe that, you are justified from all your sins against the Holy Creator, which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. See, Yeshua is the door. Yahweh set it up that way. Making an attempt to come to Father Yahweh any other way besides his son, Yeshua, makes a person a thief or a robber. The Father sent his son to be the Savior of the world. So there is no other way that a man can get to the Father than by going through the Son. Yeshua's works are what justifies a person. And a person's faith in Yeshua's works is the vehicle through which that justification is obtained. Nothing less, nothing more. And then, as Brother TJ has been preaching on through the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10 says, We are Yahweh's workmanship. We are His workmanship created in the Messiah for good works. See, I believe that verse too. I believe those verses too. A lot of times people hear me preach the gospel and they'll act like I don't believe a verse like Ephesians 2 verse 10 or James 2 14 through 26. But I'm not teaching on those verses. I'm teaching on these verses. See, But people, I found when you preach, 
people selectively hear what they want to hear. And I've, I've even had people tell me after sermons, you said this or you didn't say that. And I'm like, no, you weren't listening. You weren't listening very good enough. That's because we hear sometimes selectively when we should let down our guard and actually listen to what the speaker is, is trying to give to us in message. So as I close, and I'm going to give an exhortation here, how many are thankful for the Son of Yahweh? I like to take moments in my life and meditate upon the love of Yahweh. Uh, this message is love. It's not that we loved Yahweh, as, as John writes in 1 John. Not that we loved Yahweh, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son so that wrath could be removed from us. That's the big message, and that's the deep doctrine, brothers and sisters. People today, and I really get perturbed when I see this taking place, or hear this taking place. People will swim around in a pool with all types of doctrine today. People will spiritualize texts that are literal, and then they will literalize texts that are spiritual. People will tell you verses mean things that are not even written down in your Bible. And then they'll tell you that it's really deep. And if you can't see it, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And when somebody says something like that, you need to mark those that cause division among you and call hogwash. I call hogwash. I call swine on all of that stuff. All of that stuff is shallow. You can take all of that stuff that people try to concentrate on and make out like it makes a big deal. And you can throw it out with the bath water because the deep doctrine is the knowledge of the Father and the Son. The deep doctrine is the gospel. The deep doctrine is how we are given salvation and then created in Christ for good works. All of those are the deep doctrines of the Bible. And if someone visits the assembly that I pastor, and if they only come one time, I want them to leave thinking this. He made much of the Father and the Son. He really emphasized the gift of salvation given by Yahweh through Yeshua. I want to make much of the Father and the Son in a sermon. Not make much of me or something I do or some kind of secondary or tertiary doctrine that doesn't even make a difference. I don't want people leaving the assembly that I teach at. And I don't want them thinking about how we concentrated on whether the earth is flat or round. That's huge in the Messianic Hebrew Roots movement now. And people act like you're going to the lake if you don't believe the earth is flat. It's ridiculous is what it is. I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy. Um, it's That's not important. It's not important. Um, I, you know, if, if that's what you believe, that's fine. I don't, I'm not going to disfellowship you over it. I don't have a problem with that. But you shouldn't make it out to be important. It's, it's not salvific. I, I don't want somebody leaving the assembly I teach at and going away thinking that we concentrated on the Second Amendment, how we have the right to bear weapons. <laughs> That's Who cares? In the, in the big scheme of things, in the eternal scheme of things, that doesn't matter, especially in the congregation. I don't even want people leaving thinking more about a commandment than they do about Christ. Now, I didn't say I don't want people leaving thinking about a commandment. I believe in teaching the commandments, okay? But I don't want them thinking that I believe I am saved because of any commandment that I keep. I love the commandments. 
But the keeping of the commandments is a product of salvation. It's something that comes after salvation. The keeping of the commandments is not a recipe for salvation. It's not that you keep the commandments and then finally you get saved. No, 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 no. The keeping of the commandments is a product of. It's something, it's like fruit that, that grows off of a good tree. So I'm thankful for the son today. I'm thankful for the father who sent him. Without the father sending him, we would have no son. And this is eternal life, John 17, 3, that we might know the father and the son. And may we share this eternal life with the people that we meet in hopes that they too will receive the forgiveness of their sins through faith in Yeshua the Messiah. As we share the gospel, may we not add anything to Yeshua. May we cause people to understand that it is He and He alone that Yahweh has given to us. Yahweh has gifted us for our salvation. And that simply by trusting, by believing in what Yahweh has done for us through His Son, we can be forgiven of all of our sins eternally. That is, that is some really good news because whether you realize it or not, you're a lot more messed up than you think you are. <laughs> I used to not think I was so messed up. And then Yahweh slapped me upside the forehead and had me put the brakes on. And uh, I'm more thankful for Yahweh and Yeshua now than I ever have been in my whole life. So we'll pick this back up next time and, and finish out Galatians chapter 1. Heavenly Father, I thank you for another opportunity to teach your word. I thank you for everything you've done in my life and the life of my wife and my children. Yahweh, I feel so unworthy. Even today as I as I teach this lesson, I, I don't feel adequate. I feel unworthy because of, of my sins. But Yahweh, I pray that you would help me to remember that you've removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. And the way that you've done that is you've caused them to be born on the back of your unique son, your begotten son, the son in whom you are well pleased. Help me to believe that. Help me when I doubt. Help me, Yahweh, when I try to add to or take away from that good news. Father, I pray that the congregation is being blessed by these lessons in Galatians, not because it's me, but because I want people to understand the Bible better than they do. So help all of us. Bring us back here next week. We thank you and we praise you. It's through your son, Yeshua. Amen.